here before you right now. And I stand here because God's been good to me. Amen. And this is the grace of God. I got to read out of my little Bible right here. Because I was given I was, I was given this Bible. Amen. He asked me to preach out of it. Amen. So Romans chapter number eight, verse number twenty-eight. We'll read verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. And we know that all things <laughs> y'all might order y'all might order highlight a few things. Because we, ever gets going, we're going to be lost in the running. Amen. And we know, you ought to highlight that, underline it, that all things work together for good. Well, coronavirus ain't good. Not individually. But all things work together for good. Death of a child, ain't, it ain't good. That ain't no good news. I don't care who you are. But boy, thank God, you can't get bad news when you're a Christian. Somebody help me. Because you know, you have to know, individually it ain't good news, but somehow or another, God's going to bring some good out of it. I feel like running right now. Amen. For we know that all things work together for good to them. Here's the condition in this promise. That love God, boy, I hope I can get to that. To them, condition number two, who are the called according to his purpose. Here's why, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. <laughs> Woo! He told Jeremiah, for you knew who you was. When you were a little, what, a little squirt in your mama's belly, I didn't know who you was. <laughs> Woo! Hey, thank God, oh, Lord have Hey, he said, for whom he did foreknow. Thank God he did also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So all things are working together for good for me to look more like Jesus. He said, my goal is for you to look more like Jesus. And I, I've got to scrape off the scum of your life so I can see my image clear and scrape off more scum. Got to turn the heat up, scrape off the scum and get, hey, great God Almighty, amen. Hey man, you know what God wants? He wants us to our the silver of our life to be so pure, amen, that it reflects his image. Thank God. Hey man, as if it's been stamped into us. Somebody say amen. So he said this that he might that he might that the Lord might be the firstborn among many brethren. That that's the crowd. He was <laughs> manifested he was born in this earth so we could be born again he, so he could be the firstborn among many brethren it ain't just enough to be saved he wants us to be conformed to the image of his son he's got to knock off everything don't look like him so that when hey man so this world has the witness of a changed life they ain't never seen Jesus until they look in our life and they ought to see Jesus there. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Pray, God, that you'd help us to preach and the power of the Holy Ghost. God, pour it on us, pour it on. Lord, let it be that thick honey, that thick oil, that like, like ran out on Aaron's beard. I pray, God, unite our mind, unite our hearts. You bring us together in unity, Lord, at the foot of the cross. Bring us at the table that's been set before us. Lord, in the midst of enemies. Lord, in the heat, in the heat of the battle. Why, it's hard. I pray, God, that you'd heat it up and turn 
turn it on. I pray, God, you'd help us uh, to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost, to be a minister, to help, to encourage, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Help us, God, to be that instrument for your glory that I wouldn't preach, but that you do the preaching today, and we'll love you for it. Thank you for all that you do. Please save every soul that's lost and get glory out of it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help us for a little while this morning, I want to preach on the thought found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 on a promise, on a promise that you can hold to. On a promise that you can hold to. I want us to think for a minute about Romans 8 and verse number 28. I've seen a lot of preachers write in the Bible a verse and then as life begins to mold them and change them, by the end of their life, they're, right, they're signing their name with Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. What's happened is, is God has changed their life verse from some other verse to this verse. I remember reading about the history of the, of the war between the states. And you know Stonewall Jackson's verse is Romans 8, 28. And when they were fixing to be overrun by the northern invaders, what happened was he stood there while everybody else was fleeing, lift up his hand, got shot through his hand. And they asked him why could he stand there like a stone wall? How could he stand there so straight? And, and he said this. He said, it don't matter whether I'm in bed or in battle. My time of death has already been predetermined by God. He said, and then he quoted Romans 8, 28. Hey, I'm telling you, church, we can quote, we can live, we can bank on the promises if we fit the qualifications. Those two qualifications in the verse, we can bank on this promise. I say we can know, we can know, church. I say hallelujah, we can know that all all things work together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his promise. I want you to notice with me those first two words there. Notice the Bible says uh, for uh, or, or, and we know. And notice those words we know. Uh, knowledge is different than faith. Uh, I, I mentioned this in a text sent it out by uh, Miss Peggy but let me just remind everybody how uh, the Bible does does not say that 95% of Christians believe. It does not say that, and we as Baptists, 95% of us believe. That's not what it says. It says we know. And so we see the certainty of the promise. The language is certainty. It is knowledge. And knowledge is different than faith. When something that we have by faith, I have faith that this chair will hold me up but when I sit in it I know that it'll hold me up. You see when something becomes knowledge it ceases to be faith. You can bank on it. It is absolute. It is a certainty. Hey, hey, hey we, we have faith that our car's gonna crank but thank God when we got in it and turned the key we know now that it, are y'all listening to when this believes in your life, you can know it. Amen. I want you to know it today before you leave. Uh, there's a difference. Uh, I mentioned on Wednesday night, mentioned it maybe 
already in the text uh, uh, that some of us as believers and as Christians, as Baptists, uh, we get this idea uh, that it is our quality of faith uh, that gets the job done. It is maybe the quantity of our faith that gets the job done, but it's not so, friend. It ain't so. Uh, think about it like this. Uh, uh, one man, I was reading uh, after John R. Rice. I didn't coin this, but it sure does. He's got a book on prayer. He's an old soul in it. Man, he's had to live on prayer. And if some of you right now, uh, you're having a bank on things by prayer. And remember when that crowd came to Jesus and he, say, he talked about, he said, I don't know why you didn't believe this kind of coming out by prayer and fasting. And he said, Lord, we do believe. Help thou our unbelief. I'm trying to get you to see today that God, we do live by faith. And the faith that's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And God's given us faith. But I'm talking about a verse, friend, that your faith has led you to know. You can bank on it. Has God ever lied to you? Then you can bank on it. He's not a man that he should lie. He's neither son of man. Hey, when God don't change his mind, what he said, he says, and that's it. And John R. Rice said this about faith. He said, if you could write a circle over here and put absolute faith and write a circle over here and put absolute unbelief and draw a line from one to the other, sometimes your faith is a dot on that line that is slam over here to absolute. And then sometimes it's a dot on the line that is over here near unbelief. But it don't matter where it's at, it's still faith. They're still part of faith. I'm saying sometimes your faith is weak, but you still got faith. If you're saved, you're saved by faith. And sometimes we don't have faith hardly at all. But somewhere between unbelief and absolute trust on that line is our faith. And no matter where it's at, or it's on this side or that side, or somewhere in the middle, you still got faith. And it wasn't yours to begin with. You couldn't muster it up. They don't sell it. The shelves are empty. You can't find it on the shelf. But God's got faith. I say hallelujah for saving faith, for faith that helps us to continue. Sanctifying faith. Hallelujah. I, I, I mentioned this in a text. I said, look, it don't matter. It doesn't matter how good you could see. In the book of Numbers, in chapter number 14, I believe that's right. In the book of Numbers, y'all remember every one of the people of God was bit by a snake and all they had to do was look and live. Y'all remember that? It didn't matter how young they were. It didn't matter how if they were teenagers or they were adults. It didn't matter if they were healthy or unhealthy. All they had to do was look at the brazen serpent that was placed on that pole and it was lifted up. Jesus likened himself to the cross of Calvary and he says, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man should be lifted up. That is a picture of what Jesus would do at Calvary, what Moses did. It's on every ambulance. All you did, that snake wrapped around that pole, all you had to do was look in it. You could try to find a venom. You could try to cut it out yourself, but you're going to die. You've got to look if you're going to live. And it didn't matter if one eye is hanging out. It didn't matter if you had a patch over this eye. It didn't matter if you could barely see. It didn't matter how good you could see. All you could just be led by the hand and pointed in the right direction. And if you looked, you lived. I'm trying to say, it don't matter how good your faith helps you to see. If you're half blind, can't see out of the other eye. If you'll just look toward Calvary,
Calvary. You can know some things. Amen, that's exactly right, amen. I know, and so I, I, I mentioned it the other day in a text, and I said, if you had a wagon load of unbelief, if every, if every fiber of your body just did not believe, and you had a tandem load of unbelief, and down in the bottom of that, at the bed, at the bottom of all that unbelief, you had a just a grain of mustard seed, and God would honor that grain of mustard seed so much so that in spite of all the unbelief, that God would see that little bit of faith, and he would honor that little bit of faith, and he would bless you, and God help. It ain't how good you can believe. It ain't the quality of faith. It's not the quantity of faith. It's the object of your faith. I believe in Jesus. And before cause I live in him, I, that's the one who gets the job done. It ain't how much I can have faith. My God, sometimes I deny myself, but he's still faithful. He's always there. Are y'all with me today? Thank God for faith. Amen. I thank God for faith. Amen. Matthew 17, 20 said, if I just got a faith as a grain of mustard seed, I can tell a mountain to move and it'll be moved. Now, when I got saved, there was faith imputed to me. According to Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it's not faith, it's not your own, it's the gift of God. The faith that I had the day I got saved, I hope, has grew some. But I'm just as saved with just that little bit of faith as I am today. Are y'all listening to me? <laughs> Are y'all listening to me? I'm talking about when your breath's knocked out of you and the rugs jerked out from under you and you've about lost all kind of faith and the only thing, you, you can't even hardly pray. Hey, can I tell you, you just as saved then as you are when you're running laps and shouting a victory. I'm telling you, it's not how good you, no, 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 no. It's who we believe in. It's because we believe in him. Hey, I trust in the Lord and lean not to my understanding. Hey, I'm going to listen right now. If you're in the medical field and if you're a doctor and you know all the stuff that you've been in labs and you know everything there is to know, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. If you can study it, you can research it, you can try your best to prevent every way. I don't know if that stuff ain't just floating in the air. I'm telling you right now, you need trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. I believe you ought to be smart. I believe you ought to be careful. But you ought to trust Christ. Just a little faith. God will answer and say amen. Woo, amen. Amen. Sometimes, amen, sometimes you get so weak, you want to kick out, and you're amazed that you ain't kicked out. And you've, you've missed a few services and you don't want nobody to know that you was well enough to come. You're just depressed and discouraged and defeated. Can't get no breath in your lungs. Just about hard enough to get to church, much less muster up a handshake. Hey man, or get a say, hey man, baby. Woo! I mean, you can just barely make it. You can barely handle it. Can I 
tell you this, uh, all things work together for good. I don't understand it sometimes, uh, but I just know God's got it in control. All we got to do is know. All we got to do is believe. All we got to do is bank on it. It's a settled thing. It ain't how good we can, how good we ain't doing it. Oh, but God, God will, God will, and he has, and faith ceases to be knowledge when you bank on the Bible. Say amen. Hey, I, do y'all believe this? Do y'all know this is the Word of God? Then you don't have to have faith it's the Word of God. You know it's the Word of God. At one time you had faith, but now that you know it, you know it. Amen. And ain't no demon in hell, ain't no devil, woo, gonna shake you on the fact that you can know, you can know, and you can know. Amen. Them little girls that got saved, hey man, they had faith when they got saved, but I'm gonna tell you, they're gonna grow in grace and they're gonna grow in knowledge. Hey, gonna grow in grace and they're gonna grow in knowledge. Yeah, gonna grow in grace and they're gonna grow in knowledge until one day they're gonna be mature. Hey man, and they're gonna get off the mill and start getting on the meat. But some of you that's eating meat and you've got deep in the things of God and now you've reverted back to milk stage and you feel like you're choking on stuff and society and the pressures of life and the failures of the flesh has just about discouraged you to the point. Can I tell you praise God. It's all about whom we believe. Hey it's in whom we believe. We might not believe much but we can believe him and if we believe him we can know some things. Amen. Hallelujah we know. We see the certainty of the promise. It's a certain language. Woo! We and we know. I, don't, I feel like shouting right there about 45 minutes. But I want you to notice this with me. I notice this with me. The circumference of his promise. Notice what the Bible says. Notice what the Bible says. Now I use this word circumference because of a little word that we've quoted and shouted, ran the aisles by. According to the book of Titus and chapter 2 and verse 14, according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, there is this little word that God uses about those people who are saved. The only way we can know something is because we have a relationship. Are y'all with me? We have, to, we have been saved and faith has led us to the knowledge of Christ. And now I know I'm saved and ain't a devil in hell going to convince me otherwise. Are y'all listening? So faith has led us to know some things and we can know the scriptures and because we're saved, because this verse only applies to them who've been called, to them that love God. I'll get to that in a minute, but y'all look up here at me. There is a circumference to this promise. Here's what I mean by it. If you've been saved by the grace of God, then the Bible says, according to David the psalmist, that you are compassed about. Job says, and the book of Job says in chapter 1 and verse 10, the devil let some things slip, and he said, Lord, you know I'd like to tear that rascal up, but you've got a hedge about him. You've got a circle drawn around him. Boy, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but anytime God draws a circle around something, amen, he means business. He drew a circle around Jericho and the walls fell, say amen. He drew a circle around Calvary. According to Psalm 22, they were compassed about with the bulls of Bashan and business picked up, amen. He got one around one of his children named Job and the devil got down to Job's house and he found a hedge that couldn't be penetrated. Ah! 
a heart that couldn't be provoked. Woo! And a heavenly destiny that couldn't be changed. Y'all say amen. Hey, when God draws a circle, there's something serious about it. Now, here's what the word peculiar means. God says we're peculiar. Yes, we're weird. We're strange. But here's why. Because the word peculiar means this. It means to draw a dot in the center and draw a circle around the dot to everything outside of that circle that dot's weird. It's strange. It's peculiar. But to the circle, it's not weird. It's not peculiar. It's a part of the circle. Are y'all listening to me? Hey, we're the dot, brothers. <laughs> we're the dot. And to everything outside the circle, we look weird. We look strange. We look fanatical. We look fundamental. There's something crazy about us. Oh, but y'all get a hold of this. This word peculiar. Hey man, yes it means the dot. We're the dot and the word compassed about. He's drawn a circle around us. Y'all get a hold of this. Nothing can touch the dot that don't first come through the circle. Amen. I'm telling you they ain't nothing can get to the dot that don't come through the circle. Hey y'all listen to this preacher. Great God Almighty. I'm saying it like this. We say we can't handle nothing else on our plate. Do you know nothing comes on your plate that don't first cross his desk. Hey man, hallelujah. Hey man, hallelujah. It has to cross his desk. He has to give his stamp of approval. I'm sure he says Shane ain't gonna like it. But if he'll trust me, I'm gonna bless him with it. He's gonna call on me. He's gonna ask me why this is happening. But it, hey, I know where you're at. He knows where you're at. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I know where you're at, Shane. I know where you're at. Call on me if you want to. But I allowed it. Nothing come on your plate. That didn't cross my head. Now, it don't make sense sometimes. It don't make sense, but I'm telling you, we compassed about. We hedged up. Everything that comes to us has come through him. Amen. Now, here's another thing that it means. Here's what it means. It comes from two words. One word means peri. That means around. And am I, it comes from another word that means emmy. I am. So you could say it like this. I am all around you, and that's how special you are to me. <laughs> hey, hey, that's what peculiar means. It means I am all around you and I love you that much and you're that special to me. The circumference of his promise. Nothing can come to your plate that don't first get his stamp of approval. Somebody say amen. Hey, man, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will not put more... Have you ever got to the place that you said, I can't handle nothing else? I'm about to pull my hair out. I can't handle it. I can't sleep. I'm about to break down. You ever felt like that? Well, the reason you didn't break down and the reason you didn't pull your hair out is because God knowed how much you could handle. Woo! And he pulled the stop lever. Say amen. Amen. God help us. I've been folded up in a corner and I thought I was going to pass out. I thought I wasn't going to 
make it. Amen. And, and I'm sure God said, I'm going to let this come on Shane's plate. He's going to think he can't handle it. He's going to be calling me about this. He's going to be saying, why, Lord? Why me? Why me? But I'm going to let it happen because somewhere down the road, there's some mom and daddy going to be in a mess and I'm going to be able to help them somewhere down the road. See what's going to happen is we're going to get up in the glory and we're going to look back at all the troubles and trials and we're going to say hallelujah. I realize it is best. I didn't understand it at the time, but I sure know God knows what he's doing. I say hallelujah. Amen. I mentioned it on Wednesday night. I'm going to mention it again. I get to thinking about old J. Vernon McGee and his pastor in that dead church. His pastor in that dead church, he told them he's leaving. He's pastor in that old dead church. He told him he's leaving. He said, I ain't got but a year to live. And uh, man, I'm leaving out of here. I ain't spending my last year on earth in this dead church. Hey, man. Amen. And so he left. And he said, I got a year to live with lung cancer. What can I do? And so he went to the house. And he said, I'll, I'll have me a radio broadcast. I'll call it through the Bible. And I'll just go through the Bible in a year. And he went through the first year and the second year and the third year and the fourth year, fifth year and the sixth year and the 10th, 20 and 30, 25. And he got almost 30 years every year going through. And they took all of them and transcribed them. And now they're one of the greatest sets of commentaries you could possibly get. And he is known to have said, Cancer's the best thing that ever happened to me. Whoa! Are y'all listening to me right here? I'm a telling you. I've been sitting in the home church, and there was a little lady sitting behind me, and she never did shout, and she never did run, but she got cancer. And I'm telling you, she shouted, and she testified, and she got in the glory. And her grandsons have the witness of a grandma that got in the right with God. Hey, hey, hey! I mean, her her daughter. Marriage almost broke up, but what held it together was a shouting grandma. Are y'all listening to me? I know it was God, but God let the witness of a shouting grandma that went through cancer and she's testified many times. I thank God for cancer. Y'all know I'm right. Uh, we don't understand it, and I don't, but I just know this. Somehow or another, I'm going to be able to look back, Brother Tony, and know that I, I don't know. Individually, the news wasn't good. What's going on in my life, individually, is not good. But collectively, it's working together. It's somehow or another, it's going to pan out. Hey, man, notice what the Bible said. Notice this, the cooperation of the promise. There's a, there's a, a circumference of the promise. Hey, <laughs> The cooperation of the promise is work together. That means cooperate. Uh, we, the other day, uh, Noah brought uh, his little YouTube thing to me. I brought his phone to me and said, Daddy, look at this YouTube. And we was watching them make a pink fuchsia uh, paint. <laughs> and you know, the first color they added to it was black. It don't matter if you got white paint. Black's got to go in it. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. Always, every paint color has got black. If you're going to come to the perfect artwork and if you're going to be the great workmanship that God wants to paint with your life, then there's going to have to be some black times and some dark times and some desert times. Are y'all listening to this preacher? Great God Almighty, we don't understand it. I'm not saying individually it's good, but it's good because somehow down the road it's going to work together for good. Amen. I believe that. Amen. Amen. Thank God. I'm telling you what, going through some things has helped me to realize some things. I'd have never realized. 
I've been able to sympathize with people I've never been able to sympathize with. I've been able to identify with people I've never been. I believe I'll be a better preacher. <laughs> Woo! I believe I'll be a better pastor. Hey, man, I, I ain't got to that place. And Brother Lander probably has now where he looks back and says, I see the good. I see the good. I ain't, I ain't got there yet in some areas of my life. But I'll tell you one thing I do know. I ain't got faith about it. I don't have to. I can know it. I can know it. I can know it. Brother Orlando, I don't understand. That ain't good that day. Find your house empty, Randy. That ain't good. But I know it. Somehow or another, it's going to help somebody. Some man keep from kicking out. Some young people, hey, they's going to see daddy staying with God. And somehow, it's going to work out. Amen. I don't know how it does, but it just does. Somebody say amen. Thank God. Here's the conclusion of the promise. He said it's going to work out for good. <laughs> Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to say this. I said it Wednesday. I told y'all. On Hey, I thought about this, Brother Lander. I read this little story. Heard this story. And I read this little story in the Wilmington. Uh, this little Wilmington uh, village of birds. It's a kid's book that shows faith or gospel stories. And the birds of Willington. Amen. Or, I'm sorry, Wington. Amen. And uh, hallelujah. Then I heard it. And Brother Linder, I thought, my God, what a picture of Romans 8.28. This little mama bird is a building a nest. And Wren, she's worked all day. She's worked the second day. She's worked the third day. And she's carried hundreds and thousands of twigs. And she's got a nice nest built. And it's right in the middle of some brush that a farmer had been piled up. And the farmer walked by and knocked it down. And I imagine that little bird could talk. She'd say, well, why? what's he got against me? Why does, he, why does he mean to me? What's he doing that to me for? And she got the babies is coming. She's got to get an S bill. And so she starts back the next day, works the second day, gets on the third day. And the farmer comes by and does the same thing. And she says, well, I have all I've done is try to build a home for my children. God, I'm mercy. All I've tried to do is build the right kind of. Y'all look up here at me. I'm a trying to build in a safe place. I'm a trying to provide shelter. I'm a trying to get a place for my kids. And I can't understand why. It feels like that farmer's against me. Feels like he hates me. Feels like he don't like me. But then, then he, she said, all right. She went to a tree. And she started building a tree. <laughs> started building another nest. And the farmer, it was right by his house. And he saw it every morning. And he saw it every night. And he peeked in at her. And she had babies. And she started feeding them worms. And then he walked down the field. And he set fire to the brush pile. And that bird said, glory to God. He sure does love me. He said, hey, what changed? Her perspective changed. She didn't know what the farmer was doing. He was trying to help her. Somebody help me. Amen. I'm telling you right now, I don't understand it all. I just know this. Somehow or another, I've got to realize. I, maybe not you, have got to realize that the Christian can't get bad news. So I, individually, it's bad. Individually, it's bad. But collectively, it's good, Brother Tom. 
have the condition of his promise. Now you can't claim his promise that we've been running and shouting about. You can't claim it if this right here don't fit you. To them that love God. It don't say to them it's saved. It don't say to them it's born again. Y'all listen at me. Y'all listen at me. I know we love him because he first loved us. But everybody that's saved don't love the Lord like they're supposed to. Somebody say amen. You know what he said about that woman that broke open the alabaster box? She loveth much because she forgot. Hey, God Almighty. <laughs> she loveth much. I'm just looking for a crowd. Amen, David. Amen. I'm looking for a crowd that'll love much. Woo! I say amen. I'm looking for a crowd that'll love much. Hey, do y'all believe this Bible? Do y'all believe this Bible? Thank God. He wants us to love on him. He wants us to love him like we're supposed to love him. I thought about this. I thought about this. If I asked my wife, baby, you love me. I don't want to hear her say, what kind of crazy question is that? I don't, that ain't what I asked her. I said, do you love me? She says, I cook for you, don't I? I, I clean the house for you, don't I? I, I iron your clothes. Thank God she still irons them. Amen. Y'all young ladies ought to say, Amen. She irons the clothes for me and get them right out of the closet. I don't even have to look for them. I don't even put my clothes up. My wife does. Hope it makes every young girl nervous, real nervous. Somebody say, Amen. Hallelujah. What's your own clothes? Why don't you? Build your own house. Somebody say amen. That, that ain't what it's. She takes care of my clothes. And what if she has to say, well, I iron your clothes? I stuck with you for 20-something years. What kind of crazy question is that? That ain't what I want her to hear say. I asked her, does she love me? All I want her to say is, I sure do, baby. I sure love you. I don't want her to give no, no explanation. I just want to hear Allie at the anniversary dinner. Came up to Anna, and uh, oh, where's she at? Allie, can't, I love you most. Just, she's wanting to say it, nervous. She always says, I love you the most. And we was talking that. And then she looked at her mama, and she said, Mama, you love me. And Anna went, yes. And she's happy and walked away. What she was wanting to know was, does she love her? She didn't want no explanation. I bottle fed you. I carried you for nine months. And when she asked us, when your wife asked you, do you love me? Don't say I work 40 hours a week. You don't say I put up with you griping and complaining. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what they want to hear. I, yes, I do. And when I look over there at the book of John in chapter number 21, and Jesus has showed up down there, and he's got fish that never swim, and he's over there cooking for them, and they haven't brought, hey, 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 fire grilled fish, amen. Fish, fish for breakfast, amen. And he's over yonder cooking, and the fires is going, and uh, all them folks, and Peter's done took time. He might have jumped in the water first, but he's took time now. He's got a little bashful. He's got a little backward, and he's a little bit backslid. And he says, uh, uh, I better count these fish. And he comes up with 183. God don't care about you counting your fish. He wants you to dine with him. He said, Peter, get over here, come and dine. And he sat down and asked him, said, do you love me? And you know what Peter had the audacity to say? Yay, Lord, you know I love you. He didn't want that. 
And they said, well, feed my sheep. He said, yeah, hey, and I understand. Yes, he asked him three times because they denied him three times. I ain't got no problem believing that. I know God's wanting to tell him if he loves me, he ought to do some things. But I'm going to tell you what God wants. It's what I want. I, I'd rather her do, do less and love me more. Somebody say amen. And you had to, ladies and men, say amen. I want them to love me. Your kids want you to love them. And you know what? Sometimes God just wants us to love him. How long has it been since you told God that I love you no matter what comes in my life? I don't care what gets on my plate. I'm just going to love you anyhow. I'm going to love you because you love me when I didn't love. How long has it been since you told God I love you no matter what? Say amen. He got Peter over and said, do you love me? He said, hey, Lord. You know. And then the third time he said, Lord, you know everything. He didn't want that. All he wanted Peter was to say, I love you. Before he ever sent them to preach, before they had power to cast out devils, before they, had, before they ever did anything, he ordained 12 that they might be with him. Mark 3, 14. He said, I want some crowd that'll be with me. I just wonder this. It says in our text, the condition of our promise is do you, hey, do you love him? Do you love him like you ought to love him? I'm going to tell you, you can't say you love him. And I'm not talking about not doing nothing. We ought to do a lot. Hey, but your doing don't impress God. He wants to know, do you love him? Do you love him no matter what? If, if, if hell bust open and the lake of fire rains down on planet earth and all of the mess that's going on, will you still love God? If your whole world falls apart and everybody leaves the church, will you still love God because that's all he's wanting to know do you love me if you love me then you can do you see that's, that's, that's the template over there in 1 Corinthians 13 it don't matter how much you know it don't matter how much faith you got preach right there God help me it don't matter what you give if you don't love God like a love fest like charity if you don't love God like you're supposed to love him then everything is in vain amen the one thing he had against Ephesus was they have left their first love then you still got that giggle love about God how long has it been? Is it to, to them? This promise is to them that love me. Man, somebody say amen right there. Here's, here's what the old crazy man said. Matter of fact, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. This is what it says. And the Lord directs your hearts into the love of God and to the patient waiting for Christ. If I'm saved, then why does Paul emphasize to the church at Thessalonica that they needed to be led into the love of God. Why did Paul say to the church at Ephesus? He said, I thank God for what you know. Thank God for what you've, hey, you were a sinner. Now you're a saint and you're saved. You were in sin. Now you're in the Savior. Hey, you're sitting in heavenly places. Hey, but then he gets down to chapter three and he said, my prayer is that you may know the love of God, that you may know the depth and height and width. Are y'all with me? Oh God, how mercy. If we could just jump and dive and immerse ourselves in the love of God and love on God like we're supposed to. I'm going to tell you, we'd have this promise. This promise is only to them that love God. When you'll weep your way to the altar, when you'll stand up and testify, when you'll break your alabaster box. I'm going to tell you why people don't shout like they ought to shout. It is pride, and they are worried about what people think, but the biggest problem is they don't love God like they're supposed to love Him. That's the biggest problem. 
You, you, you remember when that lawyer come up to him, Matthew, I wrote uh, 22, verse 35, a lawyer came up to him, and uh, he thought he's pretty smart, going to catch the Lord, and uh, he said, hey, Master, and called him the right name, came to the right person, called him the right name. He said, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And verse 37 of Matthew 22 says this, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments is, is the clothes hanger, is the clothes line that hangs all laws and prophets. That is what holds up everything else. See, if you love your neighbor like you're supposed to, you won't covet his wife. Somebody preach right there. Somebody say, if you love him like you're supposed to, you won't commit adultery. Somebody say, amen. Amen. If you love him like you're supposed to, you won't steal. And you won't kill. Is everybody with me? If you love God like you're supposed to, you won't have no false God. And you'll rest when he said rest and shout when he said shout. Hey, man. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to tell you, I bought you. And therefore, you ain't your own. Here's what I want you to do. You, I'm the master, and you're the one that responds to the master. You're not your own. Remember, I bought you. It ain't your opinion. I don't care if you're made up that way. I don't even care if you like it. He said, I want you to glorify me with your body and with your soul. Somebody help me. And you'll do it. Yes, you'll do it. Hey, you might not do it because of pride, and you might not do it because of sin, and you might not do it because of failures. You fail God so bad, and you know you're going to fail him next week. You feel like you don't have a right to. Look up in here. It ain't got a to do with you, but it's got everything to do with him. Somebody say amen. Do you love God like you're supposed to? Spurgeon said, I want to look up to heaven and say, I love you, Jesus. And him to look back and say, Charles, I know you love me. Everybody in here ought to want that. Amen. Here, here's what I'm saying. If the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, then the greatest sin is not adultery. The greatest sin is not loving him. Are y'all listening to me? If you love me, keep my commandments. Yes, there's some doing in it. But there's more than just doing. Paul says it's the love that makes me do. The love of Christ constraint, not the law. The love of Christ constraineth me. Because he died for me. Because he saved me. Because he went to Calvary. <laughs> Because he did all of that, his love puts me in a straitjacket. I can't help but do right because I think about how much he loves me. Even when I do wrong, he still loves me. When I'm bad, he still loves me. Oh, great God Almighty, I'm telling you, God help us to love him. And yes, we'll feed the sheep and we'll feed the lambs. But he just wants you to say, yes, I love you, Lord. How long's it been? It's the condition of the promise. It's twofold. Number one, do you love him? Number two, are you called? Notice this, the Bible said everybody that's saved, everybody that's born again, we've been called. This verse 28, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Have you got a purpose in your life? God's called Brother Linder to be a rest home preacher and street preacher. God's called him to be a servant of servants. As long as he's fulfilling that purpose, he can claim that promise. Quit trying to get out of being a pastor's wife or, or a preacher's wife or, or a preacher. Quit trying to get out of being a Christian. Quit trying to quit. 
Quit trying to get out of being a good person for the glory of God. And quit being weary in your well-doing and realize that God's called you with a purpose, Mama. If nobody else in your household loves God, Mama ought to love God. You carried him for God's sake nine months in your belly. You know that little heart that grew in there. You know them little vessels that grew in there. Them little arms formed, the bones formed inside your belly. You of all people ought to know what it is to have a miracle going on on the inside of you and a life come out of you. You ought to know that you didn't do that. You didn't evolve to that. God done that. And you have a responsibility to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And daddy, you didn't have to go through the pain. You didn't have all the pain, but you sure got all, you've got all the responsibility. And you're supposed to lead that home. And so quit griping about every bad thing. And be the man God's called you to be. Amen. And fulfill the purpose that God's called you to fulfill. And if you're loving God like you're supposed to love him and walking in the purpose of God that he has for your life, then you can claim his promise. And otherwise, you can't claim his promise. I don't know about y'all. I need this promise. Woo! And you know what he'll do every once in a while? He'll just remind us how much he loves us. And it'll break us so we can line up with verse 28. And if we line up with verse 28... It'll come out in verse 29. Because here's the conclusion. Here's the cause of it. Here's the culmination. He said that why? Why does he, why is there, why is the things happen? Because he wants us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Conformed to the image of his son. He's predestinated us. He's pre-planned it. He's got a design. He's got a purpose that started way back in eternity. Miss Rhonda, you come. I believe this with all my heart. Now, he's predetermined for me to be like Christ. And I've learned through my tribulations. I've learned through my trials. I've learned through some things that I've went to that God is knocking off stuff that don't look like me. And you've heard this illustration many times. Listen, I don't like things individually. I don't like lard. I don't like salt. I don't like a spoonful of flour. But you mix it together. Hey, man, and you can get some biscuits out of it. And it tastes good. Individually. Lord ain't good but you put it with some buttermilk and put it with some flour and you put it with some salt and you're going to have a biscuit it's going to work everything mixed together works out are y'all with me today I don't understand everything I'm not up here trying to tell you I understand it but there's one thing I know there is no excuse for being a caboose there's no, no excuse for drinking up the rear somebody say amen hey I thank God for a caboose it's back there where they watched the car it's back there where they had to look out it's back there that served as a house. It's back there that they cooked their meals. But it ain't for us to dwell back there in the caboose. It's up for us to get up there in the engine. And we ought to, every one of us, pray that God don't make me an engine to pull the load. God don't just make me. God just don't make me a car to handle the load, carry the load. Don't make me a caboose to pull up the rear. But make me a coal that I can burn in the fire for you. I want to be waxed away for you. I want to use all my strength for you. I want to be, hey, great God Almighty. I want God to use us for the glory of God. And you can be used for the purpose God's called you to be used for. If you'll just love him. If you'll submit to him. You can claim his promise. This is why God is having or allowing some things to happen in our life. He wants me to be more like Jesus. He's predetermined for me to be like him. He's shaving off things in my life. 
like Michelangelo said when they asked him how he turned that block of limestone into a horse. He said, I just cut off everything that ain't like a horse. I don't know. But I do know this. In the master's hand, he is working in my life and he's working in yours. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed.